Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. May they be in keeping with the teachings and the promises of our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose resurrection we celebrate this day and in whose name we pray. Amen. When I was just an infant, my brother suffered from a strange and terrible incident. He awoke in the middle of the night, screaming and beyond consolation, convinced that his entire bedroom was covered in insects. My parents turned the lights on, but the hallucinations persisted. My father picked him up and carried him out of the room because my brother believed so fervently that the floor was covered in these swarming creatures. My parents had to pretend that they were wielding cans of bug spray to keep the illusions at bay, and he refused to let my father put him down on the floor. As the night wore on with no sign of a reprieve, they snatched me from my crib and we all drove to the emergency room. For my brother, this little trip was a dreadful flight through an infested landscape. My father pretending to spray that bug repellent out the car window with one hand, his other hand gripping the wheel, while my mother held him in the back seat, swatting imaginary insects off of him. At the hospital, the doctors diagnosed my brother with what they called a night terror. Now, night terrors are just bad dreams except that the dreamer exhibits indications of being awake. They'll talk, they'll open their eyes, even walk around. The real world and the dream world overlap such that one can navigate real space, but it's filled with horrible illusions. Eventually, in the care of the doctors, my brother fell back into a deep and restful slumber. And when the sun rose the next morning, he cheerfully ate breakfast having no memory of the terrors of the night before. Now, I've never had a night terror, but I have always had very vivid dreams. As a child, I can remember dreaming of vast open spaces, or at least what seemed vast to someone so young. I dreamt of falling through infinite vistas of swirling colors into some bottomless abyss. In dreams, my elementary school was a tower, the stairs growing more narrow and rickety the higher you climbed, the journey to eighth grade becoming increasingly perilous. I dreamt of shopping malls with countless floors and sprawling corridors that I could not escape from. Now looking back, these dreams seemed to reflect my unconscious fears about being a small person in a big world that was always growing harder to navigate. In dreams, anything is possible, and much of it is frightening. All things considered, it's no wonder that I slept with a teddy bear until I was 14. Don't judge. Some nights I still do. We all need something to hang on to until the daylight chases the shadows away. There's a surreal 
dreamlike quality to Mary Magdalene's encounter with the risen Christ outside of his tomb. It's early, still dark, the whole scene awash with a thin haze of fog and morning dew, her vision blurred with tears. The encounter with Christ seems to follow a kind of dream logic. One moment, he is a stranger, a man she doesn't recognize, and suddenly, he's Jesus. She understands it in the kind of way that we understand things in dreams. It doesn't really make sense. It just is. And you just know that it is. But this is not a dream. It's an awakening. The light of dawn chasing away the nightmare of the crucifixion. Still, Mary hangs onto Jesus, clings to him like a child clutching her stuffed animal as he tells her, Mary, Mary, don't hold on to me. It's morning, and the nightmare is over. The resurrection changes things. It changes everything. For Mary, the world begins to make sense again on Easter morning. Everything that Jesus said has come true. For the rest of his disciples, locked in the upper room, stuck in a bad dream, it's an opportunity to wake up and step outside into the daylight. And for us, as nonsensical as it might seem, Jesus' resurrection offers us an anchor to reality, a guiding principle, a light that leads us out of our nightmares and back into the real world. It's a promise that given enough time, the sun will always rise. I want to introduce you all to my teddy bear. His name is Admiral, as in the commander of a naval fleet. My parents uh, bought him for me when I was about three years old when they took a cruise to the Bahamas. You can see he's dressed according to his rank with his little admiral's cap. It's got an anchor on it, although that's almost faded away. He's got a little sailor's cape. I tried to give him to my boys uh, when they were younger. I figured I'd pass him on, you know, but they didn't want him because he was so tired and worn. But like a good friend, he's gotten me through a lot of hard times and a lot of bad dreams. See, we all need something to hold on to, some piece of wreckage in the ocean after the ship has gone down. This past year, for most of us, has felt like a bad dream. And in many ways, my recollections of it are blurrier than the things I've seen in my sleep. Whereas I can recall a lot of my dreams with great clarity, the past 12 months are a hazy melange of strange worship, masked faces, social unrest, restless children, long days and longer Zoom meetings spent trying to navigate the surreal landscape. It's been a strange time, a year governed by weird rules that we've come to accept, a kind of dream logic that never would have made sense in the waking life we knew. And then, of course, there are the actual dreams that I've been having. 
I often find myself in crowded places where no one is wearing a mask. One nightmare stands out in particular. I'm standing outside of this big church, not this big church, but uh, another one, and people are just swarming to get inside. And of course, none of them are wearing masks or keeping any distance from each other. And I see a friend of mine on a bench outside and ask him what's going on. We're all going to church, he replies without much affect, like some kind of puppet. And then he stands up and joins the crowd, shuffling over like a zombie before being swallowed up into its depths. Now, I'm no psychoanalyst, but it's obviously a reflection of the anxiety that I've been feeling since March, looking at other churches that have opened up sooner, always wondering if they're going too fast or we're going too slow. And knowing that there's no right answer to that question, no right answer to any of the questions that have been plaguing us for months. And throughout it all, we have harbored a collective obsession with getting back to what we call normal, getting back to the so-called real world, as if what we've all experienced isn't real at all, as if it's a nightmare that we're desperate to wake up from. But the past year is real. It did happen. And just as dreams can show us things that are buried in our subconscious, the pandemic unveiled vital truths. We saw the inner workings of the machine, saw the systemic injustice and racism and broken politics and ideological divides and rampant greed more clearly than we'd ever seen it before. We saw selflessness and selfishness, and we saw their fruits. We watched half a million people die. And we saw good things, too. We saw the real value of friendships and community and personal connection and contact, things that we had taken for granted until they were gone. we are finally just beginning to emerge from this nightmare. We'll be together again soon. The first light of dawn is just beginning to spill in through the blinds. I can see it. Now maybe that's just my eyes adjusting to the darkness that I've dwelled in for too long. But no, I don't think it is. I can really see it, that light at the end of the tunnel. And soon we will all wake up from this long, strange night. But friends, we cannot forget the things we have seen, like my brother having no recollection of the horrors he'd witnessed in his sleep. We cannot forget the things that we've learned. We can't go back to the world that was. This is the real world now. This is waking life, and it's only going to be what we make of it. Will we cling to what was, like Mary holding on to Jesus? Or will we let go and follow him towards what might yet be? My earliest memory is of a Saturday morning in my kitchen. I was probably about four years old at the time. I can remember walking into the room, 
bright sunlight shining through the windows, my older brother and my parents sitting at the table eating breakfast. I rubbed the sleep out of my eyes and sat down with my teddy bear while my mother heaped a pile of scrambled eggs and some bacon onto my little plastic plate. It's a vivid memory, a happy memory of a beautiful morning. It's a new day, we're together, and the sun is risen. Now looking back, I don't know if that was a memory at all or if it was a dream. Pondering this, I'm reminded of the philosopher Zhang Zhui once upon a time, he writes, I dreamt I was a butterfly. Suddenly I awoke, and now I don't know whether I am a man who dreamt he was a butterfly or whether I'm now a butterfly dreaming that he is a man. But does it really matter? Dreams and memories are both real experiences, lived experiences that change us. As Frederick Buchner once wrote about dreams, maybe the real world is not the only reality. And so as we begin to awaken from this long, surreal dream, we recognize that the world has changed. Just as Mary and the disciples lived into a new reality after Christ's resurrection on Easter morning. Whether it's changed for the better, well, I suppose that depends on us. But today, perhaps it's enough to know that it's morning and the sun has risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.